there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santamar and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down um, with friends, Pat and Suzanne Hurst. Pat is, he leads the training component and um, Africa Growth Culture and uh, we're so excited to sit down with him and Suzanne as we we unpack the competency of missionary life and work and uh, it was just great to sit sit with them and learn and um, talk about some and share some stories from from our past and missions and what we have learned and um, learn from their wisdom and insight in their experience and uh, just it was just a phenomenal time really appreciated them and uh, this is this is a competency that you know with the AGWM we have competencies and this is taking those competencies and contextualizing them down to to an African context and what that looks like for us as we live and work and serve on the African on the African continent and Suzanne does a phenomenal job of just explaining giving some practical guidance and direction and um it suggesting some resources and this we had a great great conversation do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode which is agwmafrica.org from increasingly redeemed and transformed africa 50 countries 257 training centers 404 missionaries and 79,106 indigenous churches discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today uh, with two friends, Pat and Suzanne Hurst, who who saw me uh, struggle with the subject they're going to talk about today back in my, well, I might, they might've seen me struggle a lot, but back in my days in Burkina Faso, when I was a young guy that had a little more hair and um, what a hair I did have was less gray. So Pat and Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Pat, I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, lead into this discussion today. Hey, Aaron, it's, uh, it's great to be with you here today on the Clarity Podcast. Uh, we've been enjoying uh, all these podcasts that you've been doing uh, along the way. And uh, it's great that uh, uh, you're willing to have us uh, come on and talk about uh, some of the different uh, missionary competencies um, in this series that we'll be doing. Uh, so today, yeah, we're going to talk about missionary life and work. And yeah, I remember those days whenever you were a first-term missionary. I don't know. I think we were second-term <laughs> missionaries. And um, I had just a little bit of hair then. Um, but you see me today, there's, there's uh, nothing up there on top now. But uh, so we were just a little bit ahead of you and struggling and trying to find our way. And uh, we, we thank the Lord for his grace in our lives. And uh, he's brought us this far. And uh, excited, really, what's uh, being accomplished through these uh, Clarity podcasts. And so... Um, we're going to talk about these different missionary competencies that have been developed by uh, the AGWM uh, Global Missionary Training Team. And uh, today we're going to address uh, missionary life and work. And Suzanne, uh, she serves on the on the global competency team for uh, missionary life and work. Uh, so we're and she's got all always has all sorts of great stories. For anybody who doesn't know Suzanne, she's she's got. Uh, great stories and a lot of life experiences and so we're going to let her uh, really uh, describe it as uh, as we talk with her but um, when we talk about missionary life and work uh, the, uh, the the goal and the description uh, that the uh, the global training team has uh, laid out for missionary life and work let me just kind of highlight that and then and then we'll just go ahead and get started 
but when we talk about missionary life and work, I think what we'll find is, is this one probably is the most integrated out of all of the competencies. Uh, as we go along through the series, we'll see that the competencies are all related in one way or another, but uh, missionary life and work really touches on all of them. And basically, we're talking about the ability to live a grace-filled uh, cross-cultural life uh, that, that embraces the, the totality uh, of our missionary life and work. And it's holistic because everything that, uh, that we do as a people of God uh, in our cultural setting uh, really radiates and is illuminating uh, to our host culture as they're watching and observing us. So uh, that's why uh, we call it a grace-filled life because really uh, non-Christians aren't so much interested in seeing a perfect life. Uh, they're interested in seeing how we handle the realities of life and what our responses are and uh, the resources that we draw upon. So the goal of uh, the grace-filled life and cross-cultural living uh, is to become so proficient uh, and fluent uh, in all of our daily activities as cross-cultural workers uh, that uh, that our host culture uh, is able to see Jesus in us. Uh, that's basically what it boils down to. And so uh, Suzanne's going to unpack all this and and um, uh, and help us to understand more about it. But really, uh, it's for this goal touches uh, for is it relevant for the uh, for the first term missionary all the way to the fourth and fifth sixth term missionary. Uh, it is something we live uh, every day of our lives. Yeah. That, that is the truth, and uh, we're all still learning. Suzanne, we are so excited to have you with us today, and um, just want to congratulate Suzanne on all the hard works, her work, hard work um, in getting her PhD, and uh, man, that's been a, a long uh, a long journey, but congratulations, and um, job well done, and um, as you continue on in the process, uh, encouragement to all, and um, really appreciate you. Suzanne, how would you define um, this missionary life and work competency that we're going to talk about today? Well, first of all, Aaron, thanks. Uh, thanks for having us, and I think having these competencies discussed uh, as they apply to Africa by African missionaries, I think this is a great idea. I, I look forward to listening to all these podcasts. But missionary life and work, as Pat already said, is, is about having a balanced and grace-filled life. And kind of in uh, more maybe normal everyday terms, it's just about our holistic health. It's about the fact that if we are not healthy in all the areas of our own life, we will not be effective in the cross-cultural ministry context. Um, we know that we need to have grace with our team members. We know we need to have grace with the nationals that we uh, live among and serve alongside, but a lot of times we forget to have grace with ourselves. Um, so this competency is about our thriving as missionaries. It's not about just surviving, it's about thriving. And you know, out of, kind of Pat kind of touched on this, but out of all the six competencies, this is probably the one that has the biggest emphasis on you as a missionary, you and your household. Um, there's obviously aspects to it that intertwine with your ministry because how you are doing impacts how you minister. But really, MLW is Missionary Life and Work is primarily about how are you doing. And if you're doing okay in all the aspects of your life, then how you relate to others will be better. How you minister will be more effective and more positive as well. For sure. Suzanne, do you, you, you've, 
you and Pat have served for, for several terms. Is there a lesson that you've learned about self-care? You know, I think that's one, at least for me, it's been a, a struggle, something I've bumped up against. I don't know if you have a story or a lesson or something as, as we begin to unpack this missionary-like work, because you highlighted self-care. Um, what is, what's a lesson you've learned when it comes to that? Well, I think uh, one thing is, for me personally, self-care is probably not something I was super intentional about. And even now, when when I'm in the U.S., even after all these years on the mission field, uh Self-care, for me, happens kind of organically because in the U.S., there's so many ways to automatically do self-care. When I mean self-care, it can range from just the fact that you get out of your routine and have a date night or a girl's night out or whatever, all the way to professional counseling. Um, But really more on the, the lower end of that, just how do we kind of organically make sure we're not losing it? not losing it as new moms, not losing it in the workplace. That's what self-care is. Um, Keeping our our life in a balance. Um, And I think it's important because the reality is, you know, a lot of our missionary attrition is due to the aspects covered in this particular competency. It's about if we don't take care of ourselves and our household, whatever that looks like, whether you're a single person or a young married couple or someone with kids or someone like Pat and I who are empty nesters, if we don't take care of our household, uh, we will not only not be effective, but it causes people to leave the field. And if everyone in the household is not healthy, it's an all or nothing deal. If, If there's a missionary couple and the husband is thriving, but the wife is not doing well and wants to quit, he can't stay on the field while while she quits. It, it's, yeah. it's all or nothing. So I think self-care is something that we have to be super intentional about. I have found living in Africa. And I think one of the reasons for that is that a lot of places where we have missionaries and places where all of us have lived, including Aaron, um, it's not so automatic. You know, there's not, well, now there's more movie theaters. Back in the day, you know, there's not movie theaters. There's not, dates are not, date nights are not as easy to construct. I've literally lived in a place, we were laughing about this the other day. We lived up in the rainforest of Northern Congo our first term, and uh, there was one little restaurant, and I really say that in air quotes because (laughs) it was very, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, it was a very kind of a bush African restaurant. It was literally a shack with a, where they cooked over a fire, and there were some chairs in the grass and we just decided we needed to get out one evening but we had to take we had to go buy a chicken and take it to them to pay them to fix it and then we <laughs> made i made salad and i made dessert and i took all that but the reality was i got to eat away from home by the time we got there it was like this little date but wow it was not it's not what you're thinking in the u.s yeah um Self-care, you know, living on the field can be more demanding, even just physically. The climate can be harsher. Living in another language and another culture can be more harsh. It's just life is harder on us than we sometimes take time to realize we're on the field. And it's so it's more it's even more crucial that we take care of ourselves and it's not as easily done. And you asked about a story and I just had this vivid memory. This has always been my one essential memory of my new life as a missionary. We went to this northern place in Northern Congo, very remote. We had no electricity ever, no running water ever. Um, and I had three children under the age of five. And I have this memory where I was sitting at the dining room table 
and I was trying to do some kind of preschool homeschooling with Ben, who was like not quite five at that point. I had Abigail sitting on a little uh, training potty chair because I was trying to potty train her. So she was at my feet. I had newborn Emily who was nursing and I was getting up like every 10 minutes to go stir homemade granola on my wood burning <laughs> stove. I was Laura Ingalls Wilder <laughs> and I was exhausted by it. I was just exhausted. Yeah. And, and that was literally my life every day, cooking on a wood burning stove on the equator. Um, life can be exhausting and, and things maybe aren't quite that dramatic now. This was however many years ago. We don't have that many people serving in quite Right. that extreme of a context but the reality is life on the mission field is hard and yeah. we've got to let ourselves recognize that it's hard it's okay that it's hard we just need to take care of ourselves when it's hard that's good that's good pat i'll turn it over to you so uh suzanne i know your your committee has worked on kind of developing this this quadrant so to speak it's kind of like uh, I, I think it's four or maybe five components, but really something to, uh, it's like a framework uh, or it's something, you know, you can hang your hat on. Uh, I think people are having, have all sorts of experiences, but then they have a hard time articulating that or, or grasping that. And so um, could you talk a little bit about uh, uh, what the four, I can't remember if it's four or five components are uh, of the missionary life and work and maybe our listeners then will be able to have something that they can uh, hang their hat on as it relates to the experiences. Yeah. So um, it, it's a quadrant with, which is technically four, but it's five areas. And the reason it's a, a five part quadrant is that if you think of a circle in the middle, that's tying the, the four parts together. So the main the main center of missionary life and work is what we call abiding, um, abiding in Christ. Because if we are not centered on Christ, if we are not getting our strength and renewal from Christ, then we are not a good friend. We are not a good spouse. We are not a good uh, cross-cultural minister. So the center is abiding. Um, and abiding is kind of similar to this, the, the competency of spiritual formation. Uh, a lot of these competencies overlap, which is a good thing because they, they flow so well together. But definitely in missionary life and work, when we talk about abiding, it's really about you and Jesus. How are you doing with God? Um, what, are you, how, what are you hearing from God? How is he encouraging you? It's, it's, it's not... You know, obviously we have times and, and we should regularly be praying for the world and praying for the people we're ministering to and, and all of that. But there's got to be times where you and God just get alone and you just let him wash over you and you just are renewed. I, I kind of always feel like it's, it's like charging your computer. You know, your computer is your workhorse. You, it works constantly. It does so much. You accomplish a lot. But if you don't just close that computer, sometimes you even have to reboot it. Um, but if you don't close it and let it charge, the computer's not going to work. And, and that's how we are. It, it's not always about praying always for work. It's about letting God minister to you. It's about being refilled with his spirit and abiding with him. So abiding so, is the middle. Let, 
So I want to ask you something because we're going to go off script here for a bit, but I remember those days and I remember uh, when you're sitting there uh, trying to watch all those little kids. So there's a lot of young mothers out there listening. Uh, and so how do you accomplish this abiding whenever you're a young new missionary uh, mom and you're trying to make all this work? Well, I mean, it's hard, and I think that's a question for any mom, even who's not a missionary. Um, but I, I think it's, it's some people say, well, abiding, duh, of course we're going to pray. We're missionaries. We're Christians. But, you know, it's not always uh, an automatic thing, and especially on the field. Once again, life is in total upheaval, and suddenly you are doing things like making homemade granola on a wood-burning stove that takes so much time. And I think one thing... I came just for me, everyone's going to have their own system that's going to work for them. But, you know, I was raised in this, you always pray in the morning. And then there was this huge culture of pray for an hour a day, which I think would be awesome. But I'll confess, I mean, I, that's not always realistic, especially during the time that I just described. I think for me, abiding became more of literally like an hour to hour thing with Jesus. I would try to get away for 10 minutes and just, you know, breathe and, and call on him and read the word for a few minutes. It was never a huge period of time, never. Um, and I would just throughout the day, I was just trying, I would always try to stop and just even for 30 seconds, just breathe it in. Just breathe him in and remember and refocus. Um, I uh, I still do this some now, but I really did it a lot then because of all those demands. Uh, the whole putting verses everywhere around to remind yourself. For me, that was a huge lifesaver. Uh, reminding myself, you run into the bathroom because a kid spit up on you and there's a verse there, you know, reminding you, reorienting you, refocusing you on Jesus. Um you have to get creative. And I think the biggest thing for new moms is uh, a lot of times we uh, culture kind of says, this is what prayer looks like. And this is what devotions looks like. And it's usually quite systematic and there's a certain period of time. And there's even a lot of times a time of day that you always hear devotions being referred to. And I think it's, it's giving yourself grace to just get it when you can. God is always there He's always going, willing to bless you. So just go for it when you have a few moments. Good. That's good. Suzanne, as you share, one of the common themes I hear throughout is energy. And the, the energy that it takes to live on the field is different than the energy that it takes to live in the U.S. I think the, you pointed out that most of us aren't cooking over charcoal fires anymore, but the expectations now that the world has changed, there's, there's other expectations on us. And the energy, I remember when I arrived in Burkina and Nancy said, Aaron, if you can get, you're going to function about 80% of what you could function on in the United States. It was not what I wanted to hear, but it was probably one of the best pieces of advice I ever received. How does, how, and this comes down with missionary life and work, how, how have you learned to balance that to say that, you know, I might not be able to function at a highest capacity as I could in the U.S. when I'm beginning to live and work on the mission field? Well, I, I don't know how you balance it as much as you just have to accept it. Now, there's a, a balance in accepting it. You don't lay around all day because you say, well, I'm living in Africa. I can't do anything. You know, you can't do that. 
But you also have to, like I said, grace towards yourself, grace towards where you're at. Uh, even if you're in a city right now, Erin, you're, you're in a city, and I know yeah. it's not American, but it's a city. You, you yeah. normally have electricity, you yeah. normally, it's exhausting. It's not your culture. You're living in another language. Uh, things that would take you an hour to do in the States can literally take you a day. I remember <laughs> I have many times spent at least half a day, if not most of a day, trying to do something like pay a water bill. Yeah. And, you know, going from one hot, sweaty office to another and sitting in lines and thinking this system is so ineffective, you know, in my Western worldview. And I think it's just realizing... Um, giving yourself that grace that living overseas and, and, and in Africa, we're talking about Africa. So yeah. let's keep it in the context. African life is wonderful and adventuresome and wow, do we learn, but it's also challenging yeah. and things take longer and you have to stop and greet everyone, which can take forever when you feel like you're on this super task organization. And I, I think just the biggest thing I could say is just embrace it. Lean into it. It's okay if you have a day where all you accomplish is paying the water bill because yeah. you got to pay your bill. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing about that, though, that we learned, particularly even more recently when we were living in Kinshasa, which is like, you know, red tape confusion to the nth degree, um, was it's okay to hire people to do that for you. Yeah. It's okay. You know, that is not a menial job. That is people, there's people that feel that are very proud of yeah. the fact that they're like a, I don't know, what would you call it, Pat? Like a, a middleman. That's right. Well, or like a business agent type thing yeah. for the missionary. Yeah. So that way I, you know, we, we had a guy, he paid all of our bills by then. We literally would have gotten nothing done. Yeah. If we would not have hired this guy, Pat was supposed to be teaching at the Bible school. I was doing HIV AIDS and, and compassion ministry things. We had three kids that we were running to and from school in the middle of huge traffic jams. So you hire someone that you trust, you know, and, and it's okay to do some of those things. It's okay to, to hire someone, treat them well, pay them well, and let them be like your office administrator. It's basically the same concept. It's just a little bit their their work is a little bit different. No, it's good. Does That's that good. answer your question, Aaron? Sure does. And I think these are these are things that we that are valuable and um, we learn. Oh. And I think it's very good to realize that the struggles I think that we face are are similar. Um, we're all unique individuals, but I think arriving on the field, we face similar challenges. And I think it's just really good to hear your wisdom and and your experience to help us. We process these to realize I'm not the only one because I think the enemy tries to isolate us and say you're the only one. They got frustrated about paying your water bill. You're the only one that, you know what I mean? And, and it just, that seems to snowball, but just to hear that, Hey, this is common. This is the common theme for everybody. And we learn to work through it. And as you said, having grace on for ourselves and having grace for others, I think is, is super valuable and super valuable. So really appreciate it. Pat, I'll turn it over to you. Well, I kind of, uh, chased a, a rabbit trail there, uh, Suzanne, by interrupting you. But uh, so what, uh, let's keep going on that, on your circle. Uh, so Jesus is in the center. And now let's uh, talk about those spokes uh, that are going out uh, to the other, uh, comp the components of, uh, of a grace-filled life. Yeah, well, a, a holistic health. Uh, Jesus is the center of it all, tying everything together. 
but the the global missionary life and work team that I'm a part of chose four areas that really globally is what a lot of ADs, RDs, people in leadership would say, okay, these areas encompass a lot of what we see um, as essential to, to, to pay attention to, to, to be healthy in, in order to be healthy, a healthy team member and a healthy cross-cultural minister. So the first one, that well, not the first, these are in no particular order. I'm just looking at my notes as to what's next, is um, emotional health. And obviously emotional health is just how you're doing emotionally. And I think the biggest thing about emotional health is, is that healthy emotions does not mean you're always happy. What it means is that you, when you have your, your times of stress or, or feeling down or anxiety, whatever, that you are able to be self-aware and recognize it and maybe recognize what's provoking it and have the tools to help you navigate it. Emotional health is not someone who is always happy and never has a problem. Uh, as Aaron said, no one can relate to that. Uh, no one, and no one is like that. That life is emotions. Emotions are a wonderful thing God gave us, but it is important that we take care of our emotional health. And I think probably the biggest uh, way of taking care of our emotional health is, is being self-aware recognizing when you're struggling and you know trying to identify what's making me feel this way and what what helps me navigate through these feelings to come back to maybe an equilibrium that that in a nutshell uh, would be emotional health but obviously if you're not emotionally healthy you're going to be a train wreck on the field you're you know see we've all been with people like that whether in the u.s or or in Africa, someone who is not emotionally healthy, they have anger issues, they lash out at people, they, or they cry all the time. You know, there's, I'm not, those aren't, those are symptoms of, of something that needs to be dealt with. So the first thing is emotional health. The second uh, aspect is what we, we, t we the, the global missionary life and work team decided to call restoration. So really restoration is about how you take care of yourself physically. What restores you? What, what restores you? Okay, so if something restores you physically, a lot of times it restores you emotionally. You're going to see all of these are so tied together. But restoration is about what breathes life into you, what restores you and gives you energy and, and relaxation, and, and what is even healthy for you physically. It, it's about exercise. It's about trying to be healthy in your eating. It's about rest. Um, and I think to be honest, restoration, what the way we're defining it, is probably the one thing we neglect the most. If I'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that, it's the one thing we neglect the most because it doesn't seem spiritual. Wow. It doesn't seem spiritual to us that um, walking every morning should, is like a priority to us. And, and it should be. I'm not saying it, it, over, it eclipses Jesus. A, a lot of times Pat walks and he prays. But the point is, if we don't take care of our physical health, we're not any good. It, our physical health affects our emotions and it affects our ability to minister. Um, and if we don't take care of our physical bodies, it will, have an, it will affect our energy level. It will affect our self-esteem. And I'm not, only, I'm not only talking about exercise and diet. I am talking about observing the Sabbath. Yeah. It's, a, it's a commandment that Jesus 
him, you know, there's only, a, there. it's one he repeats. Observe the Sabbath, get rest. Jesus rested, God rested. Why do we think we shouldn't rest? You know, um, I hear missionaries, I've heard a lot of missionaries say, kind of with, with a certain degree of pride, oh, I never take our month vacation. <laughs> AGWM gives us a month vacation a year. Take your vacation. That's nothing to brag about, that we don't take a vacation. Yeah. Even in the U.S., how many mega church pastors can we think of that have utterly burned out or have had some huge moral failure? And when you talk to them, they trace it back to this lifestyle where they're going 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every week of the year. And it creates, there's nothing to be proud. There's no pride in saying, I don't take a vacation. Yeah. Or I never take a day off. <laughs> and I mean, it's balance, right? Because yeah. you have people like that. And then you, I, you hear of other missionaries where all they want to do is vacation. <laughs> and all they want to do is, you know, they get back from one event and they want to know when's the next trip? When am I, when do I get to travel again? That's not healthy either. So I, I am talking about the balance where you sock in and you minister and you embed in that culture that you do take time where you pull away, you decompress and you do something that breathes life into your spirit and your body. You read books. A, a, you read a murder mystery. It doesn't even all have to be leadership books, Eric. You can read something fiction. You can watch a, a TV series on Netflix, or or you go for walks, or you know, um, there is so you get a hobby. I'm trying to find a hobby. I've never been a big hobby person, so I'm uh, trying to get more into photography. There's no, there's no guilt in having a hobby that you do, you know, on Saturday afternoon. It's okay to take that day off. And that, that's really what restoration is all about. It's taking care of your body so that your mind and the rest of you is in a better place. That's good. I heard John Palmer share one time that it embedded in my brain. He said that the only commandment in, if you break in the Pentecostal church that you get a pad on the back is, is number four, breaking the Sabbath. He said, all other nine you get, we, we sanction you for. Um, but number four, if you break that one, we pat you on the back and say, wow, the, he or she works very, very hard. And so very, very great point, Suzanne. I really, really appreciate that. Could you, could you discuss the other two? Yeah, so the, the next one is relationships, just um, being healthy in your relationships. And depending on the missionary unit and where you're serving, you have to, you have to know what are your really primary relationships. You know, your, your, if you're married, your spouse, if you have children, your, your family unit, obviously your team, um, the key now, you know, if you're, if you're in a national church context, the, the churches you're working with, and even if you're in a non-national church, a live dead context, relationships with the, the people that you are working with in your platform that you are trying to develop, develop relationships with, you know, relationships can be our biggest encouragement or our biggest nightmare. They can be all consuming when relationships are not going well any of those primary relationships, they are all consuming. And they ultimately, like if Pat and I aren't getting along and we're not dealing with it, it is absolutely gonna affect how we behave or how well we can minister to other people or how well we can minister cross-culturally or how much focus we have to do what we need to do. Relationships are so important. And, and we all know that as human beings, we know that, especially after COVID, right? We've all been on isolation. Like I'm 
I'm so thrilled to have two people on my screen to talk to. You know, I'm very social. But, you know, on the mission field, relationships can be so incredibly intense. Mm. Um, you know, when we're in the U.S., we don't live in a context where this same group of people is everything is in every single area of our life relationships people are deluded if I can in a good way you know we have our people that maybe we work with at church let's say you're on staff at a church you have those people but you also have your neighbors and then you have you know your friends from high school or that you met at the gym or whatever or maybe there's just a small group at church that you really click with larger church but when you're on the mission field your team you know your team are they're your colleagues your team are your prayer partners. Your team are the people that you have to play games with or whatever. If you want a fun day, your team is who you celebrate holidays with. Your team even becomes your family. And if you have children, they become your kids' family members. And if you are a single person, you become their aunt and uncle. It is so intertwined. You know, in a normal world, we would say that's kind of a sick. <laughs> awesome. It's awesome, but we do have to recognize the intensity of relationships on the mission field. Um, even, you know, one thing that we see a lot in, in two, two different things. One is in a couple, in a married couple, uh, someone that comes out, especially if someone is like, say, 30 years old or over for the first time as a missionary, a couple. Um, they've been in the U.S. for X amount of years of their marriage. Well, think of life in the U.S. Someone goes to an office every day and works. They don't come home till evening. Uh, you have your women's Bible study and your men's Bible study, or you go out and play golf with the guys, and she goes out and plays in shops. Or you know, you you have time. You're, you're, I'm using my hands, and no one can see it. But your life ebbs and flows and crosses, and suddenly you go to the mission field, and you are together nonstop. You literally, I, you eat every single meal together. You almost never get a, like, uh, just, you know, maybe, Aaron, maybe you leave for X amount of hours to do a medical thing. But think of the time. Now, Pat and I were very, very young when we became, we did our MA. We were like in our early 20s, only been married two years. Um, so our whole life now, we've been married 36 years, our whole life almost has been spent in this environment so we love it like lockdown for us being together all the time really was amazing um but if you haven't had that that's a huge change everybody's in everybody's business kind of so um you have to find ways to have healthy relationships because if you don't learn to navigate that they will over they will spill over your team um, they'll spill over into everything. And then the other thing you see is, is singles and their relationship, you know, and I, I just think it's really important to highlight that because um, in the same way that husbands and wife can, can get tired of one another, like it's just too much together, togetherness, a single person is just alone a lot. Even recently, I had someone say, you know, I'm, I'm single and I'm just alone a lot and I'm kind of struggling. And that just broke my heart because the reality is, um, you know, they're part of our team and we, we need to not just look at our own relationship dynamics um, on the team, like if we're married and have kids, but we need to look outside and say, are there team members that also have struggles with relationship, you know, whether it's 
attention or whether it's loneliness and incorporate them as much as we can into our life. I, I have felt very blessed um, to have lived where there's been single women who have been my absolute best friends, who have been the aunts to my kids that are closer than their biological aunts. It has been nothing but a blessing to us. But we need to, to think about that. When we look at relationships, we need to not only look at our own challenges, but to be sensitive if someone on our team has challenges in this area as well and try to help them navigate that. And then the final uh, dimension uh, is vocational development. And vocational development, a lot of times when you say that, people will think, oh, you're saying I have to go back to college and get a, a formal degree, like formal education. Not at all. I mean, there's a lot of us that have done that. I am the quintessential older student. But um, relate, vocational development is just about uh, being a, a lifelong learner. It is about whatever you need to learn, putting in, and a lot of what we need to learn, we don't need formal education. It's language study. It's reading books. It's reading leadership books. It's reading ministry books. It's listening to these podcasts. It's learning financial management, um, refining ministry skills. It's anything that improves who you are and helps you to minister in your area, formal or informal. That is, um, that is vocational development. And I think the main thing I personally think about vocational development is that we need to be self-aware of our own needs. We can't sit around and get mad because your area director, your team leader is not knowing what you need to learn and is therefore not giving you everything. Like we need to be <laughs> self-aware. What do I need to learn and chase it? Chase it, look for it, you know, acknowledge our strengths, acknowledge our deficits and try to balance those out. Um, Talk to your AD, talk to your team leader. There are so many resources, but it really is up to us to have that motivation and that initiative to pursue vocational development. There's a lot of avenues, there's a lot of helps you can get, but it's up to us to take that first step. That's good. And we're blessed to have, honestly, AGWM gives us wide open doors to pursue this mm -hmm. and grow. And I am so thankful um, for the yes. organization we serve. And, and you're right, Suzanne, it, it is up to us. We have to the desire, but I've never run into a leader that says, no, I don't want you to grow. I want you to stay the same. And, and I've never heard that and um, have always been encouraging and um, in the process to learn and grow. And um, that's it insightful. Before I turn it over, Pat, I just want to return to relationships because um, that it, you did a phenomenal job. Boundaries and relationships. You talked about the idea that all of a sudden work and family and this, all these come in. Is it possible to have boundaries in, in, in a missionary life and work as a missionary on the field? What have you and Pat, I guess this is to both of you, what, what have you found that works and what doesn't work? Um, to set to help have boundaries if people are maybe not as comfortable with that all integrating so closely together that they don't it, it makes them uncomfortable well i think that um you have to I, in my in my opinion you have to have boundaries because that's once again one of those things you burn out if you never have boundaries and you know especially in a lot of the cultures where we serve 
uh, people constantly knocking at your door and, and coming and going. If you don't have boundaries, you're, you're going to burn out. But once again, it's balance, right? Uh, you need boundaries, but you need, um, but you also maybe, there's some people that have really tight boundaries and they're so tight that uh, it really, they're not flexible. They're not agile in the culture. They're not agile with their team. And it, it ends up being a kind of a negative for them um, and, and for their team and even in their relationships with the culture. Some, so I think you have to know yourself and some of us need to maybe tighten up. I've met missionaries who literally never had boundaries and they're exhausted. They're amazingly perky, but you know, at some point that is going to impact them to never have a boundary yeah. will impact them. Or you meet the people that are so tight, they don't let people in. So I, I think it's just kind of knowing yourself um, and allowing yourself to feel a little bit um, stretched in boundaries. I think particularly serving in Africa because so many of the cultures it is so important to let people come in. It is so important uh, to, to allow just spontaneous visitors. And if you just cut all of that off, you know, why are you even in Africa? Because it's, it's just such a huge part of the culture. Yeah. I think for Pat and I, uh, you know, we, we, we tried to, well, okay. Fortunately where we not fortunately where we've lived and I, I don't know, Aaron, if it's this way, Madagascar, but you know, after it gets dark, people, often aren't in terms of, of, of nationals aren't out just circulating around. It's not like, you know, in the States where you've got 24 hour Walmarts and, and millions of street lights and just people aren't out visiting. So I think for, first I felt a bit whipped up about things. I was a young mother. I was very overwhelmed, the wood burning stove, that whole thing. And, and people dropping by was stressful. And um, once I recognized kind of the rhythm of where I lived that, you know, and we always lived on, on the equator. So sundown was around six all year round. So when I realized, okay, you know what, this all stops around even 5.30 because people are wanting to get home. I can almost literally almost always count on my evenings. Then I, then I, I settled down. Like I, I recognized the rhythm. I recognized where I could get, um, you know, have some, privacy as a family. I think also in a lot of cultures, maybe not so much now because of the urbanization, but there's a siesta time sometimes, or it's very appropriate. Whether or not there's a formal siesta time is very appropriate. I know in Kinshasa, there was not a formal siesta time, but it was super appropriate. Pat could leave me his phone, Pat's a napper, and, and, and I could say, you know what, uh, pastor is taking, he's, he's resting. And they totally got that. No one was offended that pastor was resting. They all got that. It was in a, it was a very appropriate, uh, time to get some space. Um, Pat, do you have anything to add? I think, uh, you know, again, uh, because of the cultural implications, uh, I, that we that we come across of you know of setting too firm of boundaries but i think you hit on it is just finding that rhythm and then there are culturally appropriate ways uh and you just have to find those according to your context of uh, how you can set those boundaries uh, i know a lot of general superintendents um, you know at their homes they, they set boundaries um people are lining up to see the general superintendent uh at 
six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and without any excuse or without any shame, um, they just let it be known that they have devotions. They might have breakfast with their family and they really don't start receiving people till eight or eight thirty in the morning. And it's perfectly acceptable. Uh, so, but it's explained. Uh, and, and I think that's the, yeah, that's good. Pat. I think that's the key as a missionary. Uh, so you're not misinterpreted is, just be able to to take advantage, you know, of a teaching moment and just explain those things and then to be able to model it. Uh, I that's a good point, Pat. And I I think the the other aspect of that is, you know, if I Aaron, if I came to your house to see you and you had me sit outside for an hour, yeah. as an American, like I'm upset, right? Yeah. That that's not cool. <laughs> But, you know, you're not in America. And and so when if there's pastors or whomever coming to see you, I'm not saying be cruel, but it, like like Pat said, it's it's OK if they if they can sit in the shade. So our yeah. thing was provide a shady place and provide a beverage. Yeah, for sure. So if they can sit in the shade and they're they've been given, I mean, like a glass of cold water, right. or, you know, right. they, they're not offended that that. Yeah that they would wait that that is kind of how a lot of like Pat said how they operate so um yeah Pat that was a good point sometimes we perceive things within our own eyes and it's not we have to think of how the culture looks at it I remember um man I could go 15,000 ways but I won't but two three interesting to come to mind Burkina Faso, I um, am, it's hot, you know, Burkina's hot. It's in April and I have my shirt off in the house and I walk into my, we lived in a very small house, but I walked out into the living room and there sat Pawantari sitting on my couch and I'm <laughs> shorts and no shirt, nothing, just walk right out. And there he is. And I'm thinking, how, you're welcome, but how, how are you in my house? You know what I mean? I wasn't properly dressed. I wasn't all of those things, but the guard, the guard had let him in the house, gave him a drink, got him a snack, all that. I didn't even know he was there. And I said, how long? He said, well, they just let me in, sit down. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And it just, but it's just part of learning to be flexible and rolling with it. And the other thing is you both hit on it, the idea of a siesta. When I got to Burkina, I thought, I am not going to take a siesta. That is not, I'm going to work through the day. And I'm telling you, that worked really well for me. It, uh, it, um, I ended up exhausted, fatigued, and everyone thought I was an idiot because it's the hot part of the day. And they're, they're, you couldn't get anything accomplished in that part of the day anyway, which we would see it accomplished. It's just a different rhythm, if you point out, a different rhythm of life and getting used to that. My parents came to visit us here a few times and they said, your house is like Grand Central Station. And it is between eight and eight. I said, but everyone knows it from eight o'clock to eight o'clock, it can be Grand Central Station. But at eight o'clock in the evening, the Grand Central Station cut, shuts down. And that was our family time. And just as you shared, shared having those and letting people know this is the once the expectations were out there, they knew there wasn't there wasn't pushback because they said this is this the way it operates. So very insightful. And, and man, I wish I would have heard your wisdom before uh, I walked out and Palantari was thinking, what's the mission? <laughs> Just walk around in their, their boxer shorts all the time at their house. So anyway, um, Pat, it's over to you. Um. Yeah, just a, another question for you, Suzanne and, and Aaron. You've observed this too. We've all seen uh, missionaries who have uh, been on the field for 10, 15, 20 years or, or more. And, 
and uh, longe- uh, what I've come to realize is that longevity isn't always necessarily an attribute to their effectiveness. It, it just may mean that they're incredibly stubborn. Uh, as one person remarked, uh, we've seen people on the field for 25 years and they, and 25 years repetitively, they keep making the same mistakes they did in their first year of missionary service. Um, and so you're talking, Suzanne, about life, owning your lifelong, lifelong learning. And, um, so let's make Scott Hansen happy here for a moment. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about uh, how do you incur- incorporate lifelong learning uh, into your ISP and, and own your personal growth, especially as we be moving towards a growth culture of, you know, of every leader being led by and becoming a transformational servant leader. Um, how, how do you incorporate that into your, your own growth plan? Well, I think as I as I've said several times, I've used the word intentional. If if you want to be, if we're to be holistically healthy anywhere, even in the U.S., we, we have to be intentional about certain things, and and even more so on the field. So I think when we have our ISP and we're setting our objectives and our goals, you know, I would I would have a section of my ISP that is about my my personal um, health, a section on, on exercise, how much, you know, that I hope to exercise or a section on, you know, how many books a month I want to read, or even if you're someone who struggles with taking a day off, a section on, you know, that your team leader can ask you, did you take a day off, you know, and what did you do? Uh, I, I think that it's a wonderful tool for that. I think that, like I said, A lot of people, this is kind of the, okay, I might get in trouble for saying this, but it's like the unspiritual competency, kind of. I think people could, in my mind, it's not. But people could look at it that way because it's not about theology and it's not about culture and it's not about, I don't know what all the, I know the competencies, but I can't think of all of them right now. But um, this one is just about you being healthy. But Jesus wants us to be healthy. He wants us to have emotional health. He wants us to have relational health. And you know what? The bottom line is, not only does he want that, but we are not good ministers. We are not good team ministers if we, team members, if we are not healthy in these areas. So to me, a very well-rounded, holistic ISP is one that would include something on several things on uh, my personal health. And if you're, you know, if you're a single person, then it needs to maybe include something on how you're getting social interaction or, or how you have that person that you really feel like you can talk to. And it might not be a team member, it probably won't be a team member, but you know, these days, someone on Skype, someone on WhatsApp, you know, during this lockdown, uh, there came a time because it's been so stinking long. I got, I, I got to where I just was struggling. And I found, I had another missionary with another organization in another place. And we just said, you know, we're going to be prayer partners and we're going to talk every week and we're just going to, we're just going to tell each other, we're going to be honest. And then we're going to encourage. Um, so it doesn't have to be someone right there, uh, you know, face to face. If, if you're, if you're a couple, it needs to include, how are we going to protect our marriage and, and make sure our marriage is healthy? How are we going to make sure we're healthy parents? I think having those things, I think an ISP that doesn't have that is not finished. That's, that's what I would say. It's an unfinished ISP. 
Good word. Good word. Well, Suzanne, before we wrap this up, do you have any resources that you would suggest if somebody, if they want to grow in this area of missionary life and work, where would you point them to? You know, um, my, most things for me personally, the things that come to mind have to do with the the physical medical kind of side, because that's, that's where my training is. And, um, I think, and I know you've seen this too, Aaron, people like to get online and, and research everything and they're not always responsible about where they're going to and then things just get really crazy. Um, so I, I will say from a medical standpoint, I always recommend um, the, the Mayo Clinic uh, website. They have a really extensive website where you can uh, get information on different things. It's always updated. It's Mayo Clinic, so you know it's good information. Um, I still, I know there's been a lot of talk about CDC and WHO with COVID, but in terms of travel health, I still stand by these globally renowned health organizations for things about vaccinations and, you know, malaria meds and stuff like that. Um, But I really think for Things uh, like relationship, emotional health. Honestly, I think the fact, Erin, that that you are launching Africa House Care in a formal way and it has um, so many different components to it, I, I think that you guys are the best resource because I know that you have someone in charge of physical health. I know you have someone in charge of emotional health and even someone working on, you know, parenting children, you know, children health and safety. And you guys, I would trust to have all the updated information, whether it's, whether it's a website or whether it's a book you recommend. So I, I would recommend you, I would recommend people go to you and to your, the people that are running your collectives, um, that you guys are professionals and I know you're doing this really well. So um, I would encourage anyone to contact their um, AHC, either their AHC representative in their area, or I don't know if I can say this, but go straight to you and uh, get information. No, we're excited about it. And I think that's the value, you know, as we see leadership development, which would fall into this and then um, and training and Africa House Care come together and begin to work and integrate. And I think that's the value of seeing these all come together. And you're right. Liz Corbin does a phenomenal job in the collective. She's leading with emotional health and Heather Martin. It's it's a it's my honor. I feel like I'm working with the dream team. And so but it's a it's a fabulous thing. Suzanne or Patters, there is there. A question you say, hey, I wish you would ask that or things you did you don't feel like we've covered before we I ask you to pray for the audience. I can't really think of anything. I, I think it's been a great talk and um I hope people have been encouraged that there's a normal journey that yeah. we all take. Uh it's not failure, it's just that we need to be self-aware and honest with ourselves and intentional. But I, I think you've asked great questions and it's really been uh, fun to talk to you about this. Good deal. Well, I would like to ask you, Suzanne, if you would pray for the audience and, and pray that God will use our conversation that we've had today and that people will apply the wisdom and insight that you shared. Um, it won't just be head knowledge, but to be things that we put uh, put in, in place in our life. Will you pray for us? Yes. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of your mission in Africa. We thank you, God, even for the Assemblies of God World Mission. We thank you for what they provide for us and for how they empower us to do your mission in Africa. And God, I pray for every missionary 
every MK Lord that is listening to this podcast, or maybe the MKs aren't, but the parents are, and it affects the MKs. Lord, we just lift everyone up to you. We pray in Jesus' name that you would just empower and strengthen and encourage all of our missionaries today. Lord, we pray that regularly, but even more so during this time of COVID, which has been a challenge to ministry methods. It's been a challenge to socialization and routine and even schooling. God, we pray your encouragement. And God, I pray if there are missionaries out there struggling in any of these areas, Lord, that they would be self-aware. Give us all the willingness to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves so that we can tackle any challenges that we might be feeling in our own uh, body or in our own emotions and race relationships that we can we can um, address those so that we can be as healthy, holistically healthy as possible in order to serve you better for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.